<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to Balanced Black Girl. Thank you for tuning into the podcast today. My name is Les. I'm your host and Right now, we're moving through our Manifestation and Inner Magic series. Last week, we had a Manifestation Masterclass with Coach Sharin Eskandani, and I am pumped to bring you today's conversation with guest Satara Troutman. Satara is a creative, conjure woman, and ritual practitioner focused on the intersection of music, movement, and spirituality. A natural medium since birth, Satara's spiritual gifts, love and talent for music, and passion for community building launched her into an early career of writing, producing, and performing across various stages in the music industry, along with activism and organizing. We talk about it a bit in this episode, but Satara and I actually crossed paths in early 2020 in LA right before... Everything changed for everybody. We already know. We already know what happened in 2020. And in the fall of 2021, we found ourselves in the same yoga teacher training program. And I had the pleasure and honor of spending every week with her and the rest of our amazing cohort for about 12 weeks (laughs) with all of us getting our lives completely changed. When you're around her or hear her speak or hear her sing, you can't help but notice her striking magnetism and amazing spirit. And as I got to know her and learned more about her work, I was like, I really want her to come on the podcast (laughs) and I really want her to talk about spirituality and manifestation. And I'm so happy she said yes and that we're able to bring you this conversation today. We talk about embodying our various identities to honor our personal evolutions, spiritual hygiene practices to keep us open to receiving, and the importance of protecting our blessings from energies that may not have our best interests at heart. That and so much more. And of course, we had to talk about a little bit of yoga too. So I'm going to get into the conversation so that you can hear from Satara. Tara, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you. And it's actually my favorite thing to interview people that I know in real life (laughs) are my favorite interviews. So that makes me even happier to have you here. Yes. No, thank you for having me. I also love doing interviews with people that I know in real life. Those are also my favorite interviews. So when you asked, I was like, absolutely. I feel like this is going to be great. 
Yes, definitely. Giving some context to the listeners uh, who may not know, Satara and I actually did our 200-hour yoga teacher training together, which we recently completed. So 200 hours of training, we were hanging out every week along with the rest of our amazing cohort. Um, and then our paths had actually crossed one other time a couple of years ago, right before the pandemic here in LA, which we realized like we got a ways into training and realized that we had met before, which was was also really funny. Yeah, no, that was crazy. When I was like, oh my goodness, because you look so familiar to me. And then I was like, oh, maybe like six weeks in. It was a while. Yeah, it was a minute. It was a minute. I, I felt the same way. I was like, she looks really familiar. And then I was scrolling through Instagram and I was like, wait, that's Satara. I was like, wait, I already follow her. And I was like, what? <laughs> It took me a minute to put two and two together. And I'm like, yes, that's right. We met at Dive In Well. So just a full circle moment. Yes, I love that. Well, I'm happy to be here. This is exciting. Absolutely. Um, so you are just such a multifaceted person, which is something that I really admire about you. You are a musician, you're a conjured woman, you're a yogi. You just embody so many different things, but I feel like you do so, so beautifully without ever kind of putting yourself in a particular box. Uh, has moving through various identities been something that you've always been able to do? Did you have to kind of grow into all of these different things that you embody? What has that been like for you? Ooh, there you go with the question. <laughs> straight okay. out the gate. Straight out the gate with the hardest <laughs> question. Um, it's definitely been a journey. I think that I have always been someone that kind of had a lot of multiplicity. I was always someone who like played a lot of sports. Um, I was never like, I remember feeling in high school, like I didn't have one friend group. I was that girl. Like I was fine with the popular kids, but also okay with like the nerds, right? Mm -hmm. Like it was one of those. And so I was always kind of just floating through circles, maybe having like a friend here or a friend there and never feeling like there was one box or label for how I was navigating the world. I definitely think that coming into my spiritual work um, more publicly was that space where I had to reckon with that and like develop some way to articulate it. And I feel mm -hmm. like I'm still growing and articulating it and still I'm finally okay with allowing that nuance, you know? It's yeah. okay to be okay with it, but I'm finally like, okay, it's okay to be growing in that. Definitely. And that's still been fairly recent. I mean, it's only been the past few years that you have been more public about your spiritual work. Is that right? Yes, it has been. Ooh. Okay. So I moved to LA in 2019 and that was really when, so I was doing spiritual work like for people that I knew kind of casually my whole life, everyone in my family maybe knew that I was psychic. It wasn't like a secret. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and then in college, I was like reading cards for extra money on the side. Like I would go read in Dorchester. So it wasn't so much a secret as much as I never wanted to do it publicly when it came to my music or like my social media career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and life happened and that was 2019. And so, yeah, what that's four years of just being like, how do we explain this to people? Yeah. Yeah. Allowing those things to integrate when they were kind of separate before it sounds yeah. like yeah yeah for sure and now looking at it it's a very traditional way of being like they were never separate mm -hmm. like and now from where I'm sitting I can be like Satara there was no way you were ever going to be you and these things be separate like what did you think <laughs> you know like how did you think you were going to do you and keep it in the closet 
But at the same time, I think it's also a very traditional context that we don't see a lot anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I am now kind of proud to be standing in that space, even though it's not how I would have envisioned myself. Definitely. Yeah. And you're a Gemini, right? Isn't your son in Gemini? So you like, you are inclined to have the ability to be able to do that and to be able to embrace different things at, at once, maybe more than other people may be able to. Oh, for sure. I'm a Gemini. I have a Libra moon. So that balance, oh, yeah. the city, like juggling act thing. Yeah. Um, we talked about this, like I'm a sidereal astrology girl, Vedic astrology kind of fan, and I'm a Sag rising there. If you're a tropical person, I'm cap rising. So either way, that idea of always being like, and what's next? And what are we doing? And is kind of my thing. And so it is fulfilling. But sometimes I wake up and I'm like, are you crazy, girl? Yes, you are. <laughs> You've lost your mind. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Pick one. <laughs> But sometimes that's hard though, when you, when you do feel called to these different things. Yeah. And I just think like, I never had the opportunity. Well, let me not lie. Cause that opportunity came and I looked at them and I was like, all of that would make me miserable. Like there have been definitely situations where people were like, pick one. And I was like, that's not it. Mm-hmm. Like, ew. <laughs> But that kind of like, no, thank you, ill has facilitated me kind of having a life where now I do an equal amount of all the things. I was very unhappy when I wasn't doing an equal amount of all the things in Mm, any direction. And so that's what I figured too. Like I was very unhappy when I was doing music exclusively because I felt like I had a secret I was hiding and that gave me a lot of social anxiety. And then I was very unhappy when I was doing overwhelmingly spiritual work and because I felt squished like my music wasn't existing mm-hmm. right um, and yoga in that movement piece kind of was important now and we've developed that but I've kind of accepted that for me satisfaction does look like being able to dip my hands in different worlds and tie things together for myself and for people yeah it is very Gemini when I think about it <laughs> That's beautiful though. I think that that's a beautiful gift to be able to tie those things together for yourself and for other people. No, it's nice. It's definitely a blessing. I feel like it's a perspective on things that people don't often get to hear. And so it's nice. I used to feel very strange looking at things the way I look at things. And now when I find the right people, it works out. So, right. The ones that get it, get it. Come on. And the ones who don't, don't. I'm so, anytime I can incorporate any of those like memes or references into the podcast, I'm like, oh, it's a good episode. My, my mission is accomplished. Oh yes. Well, I'm happy to be already. We're already a meme girl. Like all of the people in my house, they make that joke. They're like, Sitara talks in memes. Like, (laughs) but I do too. And it's, I think that although we can like joke about memes because most of them are like funny. I do think that they are kind of an art form and they are an important part of our cultural moment right now. When you have the references to understand what they mean. I don't know. I feel like that's cultural competence. Oh, absolutely. And as somebody that like, I feel like in my work, there's a lot of people who would consider themselves academics and Mm -hmm. I really love academia, but as an artist and as a creative, I always felt like everyone was very serious, you know, everyone was so uptight. And when we talk about conjure, we talk about black spirituality, we talk about even art, right? Because I came from like an art education background. Uh, Everyone was so 
And I was like, <laughs> make a meme reference and everyone kind of the tension breaks or people get to ease up and relax. So I think it's definitely cultural competence and like emotional intelligence as well. Yeah. Well, I think it's a vibe. It's a different, it, it brings emotion and expression into what could otherwise be like a flat email or text message or exactly verbal exchange. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I love that. So I'd also love to talk to you about rituals. I think you embody ritual living so fully, which is something else that I really admire and something that I'm working on just personally and professionally is focusing less on routines because routines to me feel have felt very stifling and very masculine. And just like, I try to create routines and they don't stick. But when I think of something as more of a ritual, it feels more inviting and I feel more inclined to do it. Um, So I would love to talk about maybe how you go about creating rituals and how you incorporate rituals into your day. Oh, yes. I love this conversation. Um, so ritual is in the living for me, like life is a series of small rituals. And I've had to frame it that way, because I think similar to what you're touching on, I could never nail down a routine. Like, you know, I could never be that person. Even if I said, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to eat breakfast. I'm going to be this person. Like my body would wake up some days because of the nature of my work as a medium or because I was just tired. Or even you think about a musician, you know, you sound check till 4am. And so every day is not giving you the opportunity even Mm -hmm. to build a routine. And so I had to, be like an observer of myself and go, Sitara, what do you do to bring yourself comfort? What do you do to get grounded? What parts of your day do you really enjoy? And so um, in just the living, I have little rituals. Like I said, I have my coffee in the morning and almost every day I talk to somebody I love. And that was really before the pandemic you know, because I work for myself before this, but now in the pandemic, it's become increasingly important that like, I have my shower, I have my coffee, I get my altars going and everything set. And then I call someone and I just talk about anything. And that person, whoever it is, is happy to hear from me and I'm happy to hear from them. And it's a little way of just like keeping that connectedness and that sweetness. I might put a little cinnamon in my coffee if I want it to be a good money day on the Huda baby, right? So- There's that. And then, of course, my work is ritual work a lot of the time for clients. And so I get into that. And that has definitely brought um, more ritual into my life. And then a musician practice is a ritual. Mm -hmm. I grew up with the metronome and you sit and you rehearse. Right. Like that idea of something that you must do because it feels good for the body. Right. It's something um, yoga is a ritual if you'd like it to be. And so that's that's kind of how I do it. I think it's important and you can see your things manifest from that repetition without feeling so stifled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love what you said about rehearsal and just those elements of like grounding connection, getting still in what you just described. You talking about rehearsal just now actually reminds me of that. I think Beyonce said it in homecoming that a lot of people are afraid to rehearse or afraid to practice because sometimes that means you stumble through things and you have to be a student and that can be uncomfortable, but giving ourselves that space that space to practice and to allow fluidity in our rituals and be a student, even of ourselves, the way you said you like to observe yourself and what you need can be so important. 
Oh, yes. It's the hardest thing, especially I think this has taught me, you know, every reading I get says, Sitar, you're so hard on yourself. Mm. You have to give yourself more grace. You're so hard on yourself. And I can admit that I'm used to being good at things the first time. That's mm-hmm. kind of the psychic thing, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of the thing to be just a little above or forward. And so when there are areas in my life that are not easy for me, or I don't just know the answer, I can be so self-conscious, like, what do you mean? I have to, but now I've slowly begun to like find the love in that. And music was definitely one of those spaces for me, playing instruments or producing for others, learning a new piece of technology really is that. Yoga is that when you Mm -hmm. want to get deeper in a posture. And mediumship is that because you're always learning and growing. And so it builds real um, character and humility and joy. It's immersive. Yeah. I find if I'm too, how do I say it? Like if I'm too self-conscious on stage or in rehearsal, like I'm not getting the spiritual cleaning from that. I'm not getting the release of the catharsis because I'm worried about doing it right as opposed to showing up in the moment, which is magic you know that's when you're present it's not when you're worried about how other people are looking at you or you know then you're not really doing the thing and so vulnerability is a hard one and I think that's what most people are afraid of whether it's art or whether it's spirituality to be seen by somebody and to have to be seen and receive something people do not like it oh that is such a good piece of wisdom that I think we can apply to anything, anything that we're doing or anywhere where we feel like we're still a student, we're still improving. Um, maybe we haven't gotten it right on the first try, remembering to be present in that moment instead of feeling attached to the outcome. is just such a beautiful piece of advice. So thank you. Thank you. It's, you know, it's something I try to remember for sure, because yeah. like very, especially with art, right? You're putting mm-hmm. your you're putting your heart somewhere, or I know for me as a diviner, you have to build a real confidence to remove the attachment to whether you're going to be correct or not. Mm-hmm. Like I do a thing where I talk to strangers I don't know, and they say, okay, tell me about my life. And you go, hmm, looks like this, this, and this. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember the first time I was really getting into the swing of it, I was like, oh my God, like you say the most random things, right? And it wasn't until I had clients come back to me and now I have clients come back and it's the tiniest details. They go, Sitar, every single thing you said in my reading was correct. I had a client today, like you told me to check my pipes. I had a plumbing issue the next week. But when I first started, I would have never been so detailed because you kind of want to halfway do it. So that Mm -hmm. way, if you're wrong, you're not that wrong, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe you should get, some home repair (laughs) (laughs) and the spirit is screaming that's vague uh, vague right because you don't want to be wrong you Mm -hmm. don't want to be incorrect and I got chastised in a reading before where they were like star when you read these people you tell them exactly what you see Mm. and I would remember being like but what if I'm and it was that thing wrong corrected what if and so all the time I've had to really be okay with saying the things that other people can't see or just putting yourself out there. Right. That's, that's the practice and vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. Vulnerability and being willing to speak our truth without fear of, of being wrong, because that fear of being wrong is real in so many contexts. 
oh yes, to be wrong. Or um, I really thought everyone was going to think I was crazy. Mm-hmm. Like I would say this all the time, right? I didn't <laughs> Yeah, I really did. There was a lot about my, the parts of my work that I was nervous that if I was open about those parts of my work, people would be like, what? Even now I meet people and, you know, I'm at a party and they're like, you do what? I go, I see ghosts, like the sixth sense. No, 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 no. <laughs> and I just carry on. Because <laughs> what else can you do? <laughs> but I remember really being like, I can't even exist as myself because someone's going to pass judgment. Yeah. That mean. And so it applies on a lot of levels. Even we could make it bigger than just work. You know, whether it's in your personal identity or any of those things, people are really afraid to speak their truth. Be yeah. yeah, definitely. And I, I've also experienced or done myself and seen in others kind of the same with, with manifestation and, and being afraid to really get specific on what we want or be clear or own what our dreams are because we're afraid of someone thinking is silly or not getting it and feeling shame around that. Have you had that? (laughs) Yeah, I have this conversation several times a day. (laughs) I bet you do. (laughs) And I receive this conversation several times a day. Yeah. From my seat, you're looking at people and they come ask questions. And I remember getting frustrated as a reader because people would come and I say, you have anything you want to ask about? And I know when you know what you want to ask about, mm-hmm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, and I'm just trying to give you the space yeah. to exist in that space and decide to open your mouth. And you have so many people whose dissatisfaction, it really is what piqued my curiosity because I came to this as a conjure practitioner and you're reading people. Okay, finally, like I'm going to read these people. I'm going to help them. They have desires. And then they get those things because you've done the ritual work or whatever. And they're still not happy. Mm-hmm. And in some ways in my own life, it was the same. There were certain things that I thought that I wanted that when I really got deep into my spiritual work, I was able to make those things tangibly happen. You know, I was able to bring them into my reality and I was still unsatisfied. And I had to be like, oh, because what you really want is something else. Maybe you don't want, you know, a house. You want to feel safe, right? Yeah. Does safety look like the big house on TV anymore, like it did when you were five? Or does it look like something different? You know, maybe you do want to be partnered and that's okay. I had that conversation with some clients and with myself, right? When you go, I actually might want to be partnered or be in a relationship and not spend my whole life doing xyz thing or maybe I don't want to do that and that's Mm -hmm. okay too Mm -hmm. either maybe I want kids maybe I don't and people come with their whole lives on my mat and I found that that was the real piece that spirituality is a technology conjure and hoodoo and other traditions these are technologies and they can go in anyone's hands right you could have the same tools and do completely different things with those tools and so you have to be specific for yourself and what you want, specific in what with your spirits, if you're working in a spiritualist tradition with what you want, so that they can bring it to you. It's an ongoing conversation, like I said, with myself and with the people. It's a <laughs> you real can one. say it to me too, because I do it too. But being honest with ourselves and with our tools about our desires is so important. 
Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, you know, we spend a lot of time serving other people too. Yeah. And I will talk, talk about women because my clients are overwhelmingly women, not all of them. Shout out to everybody. Dang it. <laughs> but overwhelmingly, when you look at the numbers, the people who follow me are women and women are socialized in a certain way to be satisfied with things that maybe aren't the real desires of their heart and to put everyone else in front of themselves or to be just happy with approval or validation um, or being chosen by a job or a partner or right. We're just happy. Girls get picked last for dodgeball and we're like, Oh, just happy. Someone (laughs) happy to be here. just happy to be here. And that's, that can't be enough because then when you get everything that just happy to be here said you would get, you're still looking around like, this is not any of my stuff. Mm -hmm. This isn't the stuff I saw when I was a little girl. This isn't the dreams that I had when I closed my eyes. This is not my stuff. You have a whole life of other people's stuff. It's horrible. When you think about it, you have what someone else wanted on Instagram. You have what Amazon thought you wanted. You have everybody else's (laughs) stuff. You've been praying for everyone else's stuff and you're looking around like, I'm like, I know it's crowded in here, girl, of stuff you don't want, like stress. Yes. That tension between what you convince yourself you wanted and what your soul knows it wants. Cause I've been there where I will my way into something and think this is the right thing to do, or this is what I should do. But my soul wants something totally different and you get there and it's just, it's tension and discomfort. No, for sure. And I think those moments can be really pivotal. Those have been my most informative moments. Mm -hmm. Those moments where I've had to walk away from something that everyone else said was the right choice or that I felt was the right choice on not being wrong when I've invested a good amount of time and energy into something. And I still now have to go, you know what? No, thank you. Mm -hmm. Right? I there's the shame or there's the whatever that feeling is shame fear guilt of being wrong or walking away from something but those moments have been the best defining moments like I will admit when you were like oh it's not been a long time since you started doing spiritual work publicly I can admit that maybe now where I am in my work I feel very comfortable that I'm beginning to feel like I know exactly what this thing is Mm, and I feel good in this thing for the last couple of years, I have just been finding out what it was not. Yeah. Like it was just me doing something and then going, oh, no, thank you. That's horrible. <laughs> like, oh, I thought I wanted this or no. And even maybe thinking I wanted something, not getting that thing, being horrified and depressed and stressed about it. And then looking and being like, it was good that I didn't get that thing that I yeah. thought yeah. I wanted because- that would have been a mess. Yes. <laughs> and so, you know, it's a, they're learning moments, even though they feel really crunchy in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate what you just said about those times where we don't get what we want. And at the time we just, we are so disappointed and we're so upset. We just feel like it's all over. And then later you realize, oh, I'm so glad that didn't work out. <laughs> I'm so glad. I dodged that blessing, um, blessing for somebody else, but not me. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And it really is humbling. I always tell people, like, even in my own life, there have been spiritual things that have come down for me that maybe I didn't agree with or understand in the time. 
and feel making my own assumptions, projecting my own emotions onto that thing, really putting myself through a certain level of emotional turmoil just to find out that it was not that deep, Mm -hmm. right? That it was a moment in time that needed to pass or that um, like we've been talking about, it was in my best interest. And it really shows you that there is divine timing in things. Like there really is protection and divine, there's protection in not getting what you think you want at that moment. And I've had to come to terms with that and now I'm grateful. Right now, I know that nothing that is for me is going to miss me. If it's for me, it would not have missed me. And that seems so simple. It seems so simple. But if you can come to accept that, really, there's a lot more peace in that. I don't really have FOMO anymore. Yes. Human design, I'm a projector. And so getting over the FOMO was like a huge thing. The fear that nobody was thinking about me when I was not there was a huge thing panic and once I could get over that I was like oh girl like everyone's thinking about themselves <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes everyone's worried about whether you're thinking about them <laughs> you know like everyone is thinking the same thing you're thinking watching Hulu it's okay girl yes can you watch your show and you're present when you get the next call you know <laughs> yes that's such a real learning so many times we think that we're the only ones experiencing something or going through something. If there's anything I've learned, the older I get is that we're never the only ones feeling a certain way or experiencing something in a certain way. No, for sure. The connectedness. And that is another gift my work has given me. I think in the last three years, I've read over 500 people. Wow. And that is crazy because I've certainly had return clients. Yeah. And so those are 500 new people. Yeah. 500 people's lives that I looked at and was like, oh, and you see this shocking similarities. Like overwhelmingly now, when you look at someone, you go, oh, you have this thing. And, you know, maybe the, the details are different, but I have this thing in some capacity. And 16 other people I saw have this, right? Oh, it's a self-esteem issue or, oh, you don't feel deserving of this thing. So take this bath and journal about why and, you know, elevate these ancestors or whatever thing, if there's a particular thing in ritual practice that can be done or do some yoga. Yeah. Right. But everyone kind of is moving through the same thing. And even when you're working across technologies, there are similarities in the way that yoga deals with things and the ways that Conjure deals with things in a lot of capacities, because suffering inherently is a universal experience, some of which we create for ourselves, Mm -hmm. which the systems that be create for us and we're navigating. And so Yeah, I've learned that in my practice. I've learned that in my personal life. And it builds compassion. You go get over yourself, girl. Everyone's had a rough day. (laughs) (laughs) Relax, it's fine. Yes. Yes, it's proof that that things pass when you realize that certain things aren't only happening to you. Yes, and that those things, I think, build community. Like, then Mm -hmm. you know who you're really are I think we're young we think our people have similar interests sometimes or they dress the same as us or right we're very much looking for our people in outward things and the more I you know get older the more I realize my people have a shared set of internal values and things cultivated from experiences 
And I can be proud of that. Those are the reliable people, not necessarily the girl whose shoes are really cute, although cute. <laughs> Absolutely. We love you know? a cute shoe. That's such a good point though, because when you're younger, a lot of your connection is really based off of proximity. It's like, who goes to your school? Who's in your neighborhood? Who do you do activities with? And as you move through life and your worldview expands, you really have the opportunity to connect with people on a deeper level. And that's something that I think can be really beautiful about community as we grow older. Absolutely. I think for sure, I was someone that was very used to like group sports, community teams, musical theater girl, debate team, right? Like always my hand in a million places. And so you have a lot of relationships that are based on proximity. And then I was in school and I was in grad school and you just have the people you see every day or, you know, very that kind of proximity based relationship building. And when that was no longer a part of my life, because I very quickly went from grad school to tour, from tour to maybe a few little things here and there, and then full-time spiritual work because there was no other option for me. Mm -hmm. And it was before the pandemic isolation. There was no day job to go to. There was no, you know, coworkers, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's me, myself, the cats and the spirits. And now now I have a team, but they're not always here, right? Mm -hmm. They come on a schedule. And before that, there was no team. It was just, Satara and friends, friends all being ancestors, right? <laughs> it was like when Milan goes into the temple, like that's what, you know, <laughs> like it was like that every day. That's how it is every day. And I remember being like, oh goodness, do you have any friendships that are not proximity-based? And I did, but I had to really think about it. Like, who is a friend to you when you don't have it? institution and how do you cultivate relationships and do you want to cultivate relationships what does that mean to you there was a whole world of thinking about what a friend really was when they weren't just like insert friend here you know you're like what does it mean to be in my life and it's been wonderful now I think everyone in my life is here with like real clarity and intention and that feels really good to know that we all kind of know what we're doing and how we want to love each other and be loved is really beautiful. And I'm working with more people with that shared thing. Like I'm very okay with it being, you know, a community of people, but I can on being specific, right? Everyone talks about LA being a very icky place, but the more specific I have been in really this relationship building, I've been able to kind of wiggle my way through that finally. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But you sort through by just having that. It's more than that we work in the same place. It's more than we have a shared friend. It's more than this. It's how is our energy? Do you, you know, have the same morals as me or shared ideas? It helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Those questions that you asked yourself were beautiful. I'm like, I'm going to go back through this and journal on those because I think that that's a really amazing reflection as you're navigating building community and connecting with others. Thank you. I would love to see those questions, you know, oh, yeah. one of the strategies for projectors in human design is to ask questions. And mm-hmm. I thought that was so funny because I was always such a question asking mm-hmm. person, even in conversation, like, well, what do you like? Right. Like, <laughs> it's very funny to be here because you're asking me questions mm-hmm. and I'm answering questions. But <laughs> <laughs> normally I'm asking questions of the divine or asking questions of others so that they can go through their thing and so this feels very nice first of all thank you so much thank you yes I'm always interested in questions as a way 
uh, for us to softly open up things in ourselves we'd otherwise be afraid to approach. So I pose a lot of stuff even to myself. Mm-hmm. This question. When I look at my journal, I'm there like, Sitara, why do we keep X, Y, Z, right? Yes. Ponder on it. <laughs> yes. Asking yourself those questions is so important because in our daily lives, we can just go through the motions and get used to doing what we do without stopping to wonder, well, why do I do what I do? What is the root of this? Where am I going? And, and being able to ask ourselves those questions, I think is so important. Mm-hmm. I think it's the way you keep forward progress. Yeah. Complacent otherwise. We can just do the same thing that our parents did. And I think even when it comes to hoodoo and conjure and the way that it shows up in the world, I think it's because a lot of people are asking questions mm-hmm. about things that otherwise they wouldn't have accepted or things about themselves that would have been suppressed, things about their families. People are wanting to know where they come from. People are wanting to know oh, maybe that superstition my grandmother had really wasn't a superstition. And maybe those dreams I had meant something. And maybe I do have a connectedness to something more than what people told me about myself. And I think it's beautiful. I think it's so important. I'm a fan of the question. I think if more people were asking questions instead of screaming at people, we'd have much better conversation. (laughs) 100%. And to your point, even with the examples you just shared, it's, it's reminding me that questions are such a big part of spirituality and being able to ask questions is a huge part of having a spiritual practice. I think. I would argue, I won't say it's the only part, but I think that it's a huge part And I think that there are a lot of people coming to spirituality now who just want a platform to to make statements. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they want to climb on top of it. And it was not a new thing. Right. That's how you get certain types of we see this all the time in spirituality. Mm -hmm. It's one of the main places people go to, you know, scream about something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think that all of my favorite spiritual practitioners we're asking questions of themselves, asking questions of the universe, asking questions of the divine. My favorite artists are that way, right? Yeah. We're asking about things. Um, in my work, and now guiding people as it's grown from just being the practitioner to facilitating healing in multiple ways, being able to actually know what the person wants. Maybe their idea of healing is not what I think is best. I cannot come impose my way of life on someone I have to ask them what they desire and so uh, you miss so much as a spiritual person if you're not willing to ask questions like we talked about earlier there is a time to build the confidence to speak right when you get put up to the mic when you are sitting in that seat can you straighten your back and speak Mm-hmm. but it's that person even takes their turn being okay now I was wondering <laughs> in this, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there was something that you said earlier that I want to not to use like corporate speak because I get tired of that all day, but <laughs> circle back on. You mentioned that you've done like over 500 readings at this, at least at the point that we are recording this, which as time yeah. goes on, it will be be more, which is incredible. That's a lot. And so with that, I would love to talk about spiritual hygiene a bit for yourself uh-huh. and others, because I would imagine for you <laughs> doing that many readings with people and engaging with so many people in that way that you have to have very strong spiritual hygiene practices to not take on 
what other people are bringing to you. So what does that look like for you? Okay. So first things first, I am not working at that pace anymore. <laughs> good, good. Cause that's yeah. a lot. No, 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 no. When I started this work and I, and it's different for everyone because I have elders where I look at their turnaround. I have elders that have entire day jobs. Like we often make the joke. I hear from, we say some of my favorite spiritualists have real jobs. Yeah. Right. Like have full and they have full jobs and read maybe 10, 15 people a day. And just most of these are women who have children. Right. So I'm looking at women with children. I'm a projector. We've talked about the things. (laughs) For those of you who listen who are not even design people, it basically means you invite me to stuff and let me take naps before. (laughs) You know, that's kind of the synopsis. And so I really feel like. I had to learn to respect my own body's energetic boundaries yeah. to not feel that shame of not being able to keep up with other people. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I would think is honoring your body is good spiritual hygiene because most people have terrible spiritual hygiene and don't know it because they're people pleasers. Yeah. Right. And I certainly was. And especially spiritual people who are, I hate the term where you're like, I get tired of corporate speak all day. I hate the word empath. I'm tired of hearing it. (laughs) (laughs) Throw it away. (laughs) Like remove it from our vocabulary. However, if you are someone who is empathic in any way, because that's real, highly sensitive people, right? Most artists, creatives mm-hmm. who really take on the emotions of other people. You really absorb that. And so before I used to allow the urgency of the world or the outside world or the energetic things outside to really create a panic in me. And then I was just like, oh my God, how can I help? My books are available 24 seven. If you need me, call me. I'm at every <laughs> protest. I'm every woman, it's all in me. Like that was <laughs> that was it. Saving the world and oh. college certainly and well beyond. Yeah. So the first thing I would say on spiritual hygiene is just like if you need to slow down, figure out the effective ways to make an impact, but slow down. Yeah. Secondly, real time ritual things I clean off a lot Mm -hmm. Um, whether that is like in my shower with some sort of uncrossing soap whether that's making a spiritual bath by hand or um, because I make products or buying one from one of my god siblings or someone right Um, always having some sort of ritual practice of cleaning off in front of my altar keeping my space tidy you know keeping things kind of together and allowing space for that has been a journey for me. And, you know, I don't think I'm naturally someone who's like the tidiest in the world, but I can admit that having things in place keeps the flow of my space and my energy clear. Um, I am very mediumistic, so I tend to keep my head covered, not always, but if you see me in a do-rag or you see me in a hat or you see me, especially in crowded places, it's because my head is very sensitive and I don't need to be all up in everybody's business like that, right? <laughs> I mm-hmm. to be receiving everything all day. Um, so I think across spiritual traditions, people keep their head covered. Um, what else? Just, you know, I'm a hugger, but I'm kind of very choosy about it. Yeah. And yeah. that's, you know, I, that's not me trying to be shady, but I'm choosy about it. Yeah. Because Sometimes people want to get next to you for the wrong reasons Mm -hmm. and they're looking for something energetically that maybe I don't have to give. And then I go home and I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, what is that? (laughs) Who's that? Right. Um, And so, yeah, it can be tough having times for release for me, fitness, 
yoga and movement is a part of my self-care and spiritual hygiene. I have to set it off. I have to, I hear all types of crazy stuff. And sometimes you hear some crazy stuff where you just be like, I'll be back. You go for a lap around the block, you know, (laughs) or I'll be right back. And you go to Pilates. So I'm a big fitness girl, always will be for my mental health. And I try to play hard. I'm not ashamed to play hard. Sometimes people want to see a spiritualist. I remember when I first was like, okay, I'm going to do hoodoo. I'm going to be the conjure lady. I cried for like two weeks because I thought I was going to have to wear long skirts. (laughs) Yeah, like I thought I was going to have to be like long skirts, you know, all white, very pious. And I'm Mm -hmm. just not that girl. Yeah. You see me off. I'm off. Don't ask me about no cards. <laughs> right? I work hard so that I can wear the little bikini when I'm out. You know what yes. I mean? I do my thing in that way so that when I feel I filled my cup, I can then overflow. And that's good spiritual hygiene. So now I've reduced the amount of people I'm seeing. I move boundaries are spiritual hygiene. Yes. Right? I move things behind a paywall without shame. And that was important. Right. Yes. I talk about that for creatives, especially black female creatives. Like there's certain ways that we just have to go. And here's the hard limit. I'm not available for X, Y, Z thing. I'm not as available as I was. I don't say yes to everybody. And that is that's really it. We can get into the ritual things. That's, you know, that's individual for everybody. Really. Mm -hmm. You want a reading or you want to, you know what I mean? You want to have somebody really look at that, but the basics are boundaries. Don't let everybody touch you. Don't be afraid to be choosy. That was my favorite thing when in class. Oh, don't tell everybody your business. My favorite that one. Yes, is when they would be like, how are you? And you would be like, I'm great. And I would be like, period. (laughs) I was basically a mute in yoga teacher training (laughs) just because I felt like I didn't want to bore everybody either with my problems or I just, it was just stuff that I didn't want to carry and talking about it felt like carrying it in that moment. And so I was just like, yeah, no. No, I, and I love that, but that's a sign of someone with healthy boundaries. And people always think that boundaries are about a rejection of other people. But what I love about you, what you just said, is just like, I have boundaries for myself mm-hmm. and the ways that I want to show up. And so it very much as you know, they say, if you don't have nothing nice to say, you don't say anything at all. Or also knowing I didn't come to this space to center that thing. Yes. That's a big piece for me as an artist, what people expect you to center or how you center yep. your day and being honest about yourself knowing what to center, knowing when to say, now it's not the time is great spiritual hygiene. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Excellent. <laughs> I'm a stand. I, from day one, I was like, period, <laughs> period. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I'm a fan of black women conserving their energy Mm -hmm. (laughs) anytime I see that I'm like yes because it's finite it is finite it's not an unlimited supply it's not and I've had to learn that I've had to learn that because you you know you want to be there for everybody you want to be in the mix with everybody and then your body's like girl what did you think (laughs) did you think you could be over here and then you go it wasn't worth it yeah. I tweeted a couple of days ago. I said, now when I think about going out, I'm really like, is it worth wasting a K95? Worth <laughs> <laughs> wasting a K95 and a possible PCR test. Right. To have lunch with you. 
And so That's you a have a great be, question. Spiritual hygiene is hygiene, baby. You got to be like, is this really going to bless me? Am I going to feel uplifted by this conversation? Because we still want to see people and be out. But, you know, even in the small things, the socially distanced things, I'm really like, it's got to be the right invitation. Discernment. Yes, I have to get joy from this. Otherwise, I'm not wasting a mask. Putting yourself at risk, putting other people at risk. I actually love that you mentioned that you tweeted that because also on the topic of spiritual hygiene, I feel like social media makes spiritual hygiene. I feel like that might be where people trip themselves up a little bit. Yes. potentially just with oversharing or taking things in or exposing themselves to things that, you know, can have a, a really big effect on their energy and how they feel. Have you seen that? Oh, for sure. And I think I've absolutely done it too, yeah, right? Like, same. Not only have I seen it, but it's been a journey for me to find my voice mm-hmm. on social media, especially as my platform began to grow. Mm-hmm. Knowing it was really through, again, on being like, oh, no, that's not for me. Yeah. Like having situations where I remember posting things about my family and having people remember that mm-hmm. was a mind was like really weird for me right like completely tripped me up or just being like oh I can't share certain things about my life without those things becoming monetized or collateral and we've talked about this where I was saying I don't really feel like an influencer and I can say that I'm someone who has influence but that I don't necessarily feel like it's my job does that make sense Mm -hmm. and I had to come to terms with that and be like oh because I need influencers I need people in my life who know these things are going to be plugged into these things but there's a lot of pressure to show up that way on social media regardless you know regardless you must all of a sudden begin to be engaged this this, and this have this thing on 24 7 and I think that People, especially young people, I feel I sound old, but let's be real, like people who have grown up with social media as the core and crux of their lives almost are setting themselves up where they're selling every part of their lives without that being the job that they have chosen. And Mm -hmm. that's what's interesting to me about it. Because I have clients and I have friends. Obviously, we're in LA, right? I'm on your podcast. I have (laughs) social media presence where we have to share some part of our lives because that's what our work is. And yeah. we find pleasure in sharing some part of our lives. And so then I just set, we set ourselves up with a certain routine. But with people who are just every day, I think that there's something so beautiful about secrets. Mm-hmm. I think more people should consider themselves curators of an artistic space on social media. That's where I've come to is that I'm an artist. So when I say I'm not an influencer, it's not because I have disdain for influencers. I have great respect for influencers. I am an artist and a psychic. That's my bag. You know what I mean? Yes. And a yogi. And so now my approach to social media and to content creation is allowing myself to make art. And that could be a photo that I'm really proud of that I've taken the time to really like stylize. It could be a caption that I'm proud of and something more casual. But me looking at it and, and being okay with walking at that pace and having that level of distance as well. I'm a fan of curation, but it makes me feel safe. Yes. You feel purposeful to know that I've curated. It's big Beyonce, right? Like, is it my personal life? Is it my personal life? It is. But like, it's the part that I want to share. Exactly. And I want to embrace it. 
Because sometimes I see things and just on the evil eye, I go, you're not safe, baby. Mm -hmm. The internet is not a safe space. And I think especially with everything going on, this is why we call our friends. Like I said, every morning I have a coffee with somebody that I love virtually. You know, it used to be that way in person, but you call the person you love and you go, girl, I can't believe. And then these people and you just, right? If you yeah. are blessed to have someone that you can call, I always tell people, call somebody yes. or journal about it first. Yes. Agreed. You know, really? And I would say journal first and then call somebody, but some mm-hmm. of us are outward processors. Mm-hmm. I am. I have voice memos are full. I was going to say a voice note. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. You can just get it off your chest. I write yep. songs that helps. Yep have other outlets because otherwise you can really put something on the internet that will come back. Right. And if all else else fails, I'm really grateful that at least my grandmother always told me, don't do anything. You're ashamed to be on the front page of the newspaper. That's a great rule of thumb. Because look, there are some things that at the end of the day, if they should resurface, I would be like, Ooh, so embarrassing, but I would be like, yep, that's me. Yep. <laughs> that's your girl. That's about where I was that, you know, like that's about on the growth tra- trajectory where I was. And so I feel like we're all human. We all say things, but having the discernment to be like, am I going to want to eat that one? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Do I want everybody, anybody with an internet connection to have access to this and to have access to these parts of me is what I like to ask myself. Yes, that's well, that's such a good one, right? Because it really is Mm self-love when you see yourself as something of value and something that everyone should not just have access to. And I feel like when I was really heavily oversharing on the Internet, I can admit that I did not consider the idea that just access to those parts of my life was a privilege, even the ugly parts. Yep especially the ugly parts, I would say, right? The parts that make you human and relatable. And those parts are not just for everybody. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think you're right. Do they deserve to know that? It's such an good questions. Yeah, yeah. More questions that we ask ourselves. And I've also had to do some reframing too when I first learned about things like the evil eye, because then I was I was getting in my head and I was feeling myself. And I was like, oh, everybody's everybody's a hater. They want to see me fall. And it's not even that. It is like people are not thinking (laughs) about us nearly as much as we think they are. And so it's not even that people are plotting for downfalls because I genuinely, I mean, maybe sometimes, most of the time, don't think that's what it is. I think it's far more protecting what is sacred to you because it is worth protecting. I would say like this, are there people in the world who are absolutely doing nefarious things all the time? Oh, yeah. I see craziness. Yeah. Yeah. I see craziness. So I'm not going to pretend that they're not. Yeah. But most of the time, people do not do the internal work because another word like empath I want us to get rid of is shadow work. Mm. Erase it. Snatch it. I'm tired <laughs> of hearing it. I'm tired of hearing it. I'm tired of hearing it. I've been doing my shit. Girl, we're working on ourselves. We're always growing. Like, let's just. <laughs> And it's only because it's so misused. Everything is not shadow work just because you got your feelings hurt. You got your feelings hurt. That's not shadow work, right? Mm -hmm. But not everyone is doing their Mm -hmm. shadow work. And so what happens is there's a lot of envy or evil eye. People are not willing to 
look at something and really celebrate it. And yeah. so I think it's people putting things in front of people who are not at the place in their self-love journey to celebrate you. Yep. And so more so than being like, wow, this person has a personal issue with me. Although that happens often, mm-hmm. but the other piece of that is the majority of it is this person is, in, you could be anybody that has what they want. Yep. Right. You could be anybody that has something that they feel they can't attain in their life. And so now you're catching that negativity because of where they are. Yeah. Right. And mind you, I've given readings that said you need to stop sending so much evil eye to everybody. <laughs> That's, right. Like I've given those readings, too, that are like the stink in the room is you. Mm. You are actually the stink in the room. The yes. negative vibe is you. I've had those moments where I was, I was that person and I had to have a come to truth moment with myself about it. We all do. Sometimes we get hangry. We need a nap, we need a snack, <laughs> whatever it is. But again, the discernment to be like, oh, it's me. I'm, yes. I'm gonna, you know, peace out mm-hmm. as opposed to projecting it everywhere. Yeah. And that's, I feel like what you get with those people and what you get with those situations. And it's a good idea to protect yourself. Yes. Because the reality is, like I said, for me, the majority of the women that I deal with are at specific intersections where as much as they're growing and moving in the world, there's always going to be someone that feels threatened by that. Mm -hmm. Like black women are in the world doing beautiful things at increasingly amazing rates. And there are still a lot of people in the world who cannot fathom that. And that's their limit of reality. That's their belief about, right? Their projection of who I am or who you are or who whoever they're dealing with is, but you have a certain level of spiritual protection just so that you don't have your things messed up by someone else's, right? A lot of people are in a mess because of someone else's idea of how they should be living. I don't like that she got that because it makes me question myself. Well, how did she get that? Because she's supposed to be less than me, right? And their whole life is in being better than you. And that's not just about race. That's not just about gender. That's a person to person thing and then get systemic as well. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it's systemic as well, where you go, you don't have nothing. That's not about being better than me. So this is all about me. That's why when he was like, I've been getting arrogant, like, I feel like everybody's worried about me. I was like, I still be there because I've been (laughs) looking around and I'd be like, hmm. Girl, I had to have some come to Jesus moments with myself. I had to be like, Les, your phone is dry. Your Instagram is dry. Like people are really not thinking about you in this moment. And that's okay. Yes and no, because I could get spiritual and say that oftentimes it's true that the people who do not hit your phone are the ones thinking about you the most. That's true. Like that is the ones who are trying really hard not to hit your life away. Yes. The ones who have you muted on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones who are pressed. That's that's a really good point. Who are pressed. So you cannot use the people have gotten smart. And I just know this, (laughs) you know, like, (laughs) like they're trying hard not to look, try hard. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes when you get that vibe, like you can't, you keep thinking about someone and you think you're the person you think you're the person like, dang, this person keeps crossing my mind, but I haven't heard from them in weeks. It's because they have you muted on the social media and they are in their journal. Like, 
why hasn't Les called me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that is them. And you're catching all of that energetic blowback, which is very real. Sometimes we feel we're pressed and it's like, girl, you're not pressed. You need to go touch some grass. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's such a good point. And I think with this too, the other big learning that I've had kind of circling back to the the overarching manifestation is that a lot of my manifestations really started coming through also when I stopped telling people about them, what I wanted, what I was going to do, what I was about to do, what my plans were. And again, not even necessarily from ill intent, but just people have their own hangups and they have their own insecurities and their own doubts. And so when they hear things, their first response is to just kind of spew that. And that can really mess with us in similar ways. For sure. I think that, it, like, again, if you're a sensitive person, and we all are, what Badu say, I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my ish, right? Like, yeah. we all have that in us creation is creation whether it's the creation of a new job whether it's the creation of an album like it is sensitive and and time sensitive and delicate work and emotional and bloody sometimes like so you want to make sure you're in good company if you're trying to bring something into fruition for sure and then also this is a spiritual concept that I'm still kind of working the language for but I think you'll understand when you have something creative, it's in that like sacred chakra, sacral chakra, like yummy, delicious space. Yes. And it's almost like it's pleasure to have something that you're working on and incubating. And I think that when I was telling people all of my business, whether it was on social media, like we talked about being deserving and seeing yourself of something as of value, it's also the yumminess of having a secret. Like I think we talk about Scorpio as a very secretive sign and also a very sensual, sexual, pleasurable, sexual power sign. And it is that yumminess of something that belongs just to you. And it's a fire. And I think it's a balance, right? Because there's something really yummy about connecting and sharing. And we can be so addicted to the validation that comes when you do connect, right? Like you, you meet somebody and you say, I've got this great idea. And they go, yes. And we want union right? We want that feeling of connectedness. And I think in practices like yoga, whether you have the Kundalini or you have all of the other various branches of yoga that talk about that internal mystery or that internal fire, that good sacral chakra thing, you have personal power in that way when you keep certain things to yourself. And there's a reason why I'm just conjuring hoodoo, our closed traditions, and a lot of traditions are closed traditions in which there is secrecy there, secrecy yeah. that's required for you to really work the mystery, right? You're not working it if you don't have a certain level of discretion and separation and holding back and restraint. There's something so beautiful in that. And so I feel it's the twofold thing of yes, evil eye and people not having your vision. And also, do you have the personal power? Because I know for me, I could exhaust myself talking about an idea before I do anything. Mm-hmm. I've talked yep. about the concept of the thing and I've shaped it out and mapped it out so many times and I phoned a friend and, I, and it was procrastination, really. Mm-hmm. We talk ourselves out of it. Yes, you talk around it and it's almost as good as doing it. Yeah. You know, it's almost as good if you can just daydream about it, you talk with a friend, but it's better now to say, 
for me, right? Listen to the song I wrote. Not I was thinking about this song, boom, boom, boom. Maybe it's gonna go like, maybe I'll write it tomorrow when I get out my feelings, <laughs> right? As opposed yes. to being like, let me call them when it's done or let me push myself a little further in this project before I invite eyes. Yeah good or bad right yeah. if they're good then you have now the pressure of them being like finish it it's gonna be then they ask about it if it's good yeah it, I, uh, listen to the song I wrote I think is a beautiful metaphor for life even if you're not a musician or a songwriter it's mm -hmm. it's I choose to share something once it's created when I choose to um, I'm, I'm going to take that forward as a metaphor because yes. I'm not a musician, but <laughs> I like that. It's a good reminder. I love that. Feel free to keep that one. You know, it, it's a real time reminder for me. Star, did you finish it or not? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so, but yeah, it, it's much more difficult to finish than it is to start. And for someone with their hands and as many things as me, I feel I've definitely had to learn how to finish things and to find the pleasure in finishing. It's a mature type of pleasure. Yeah. Right? It's a grown person's pleasure to be like, I finished it. I used to be very excited about like getting a bunch of new things from the store, right? Like I'm a beauty products girl. So I used to love like a new moisturizer. Now I have that pleasure when you get the last drop. Yes. Like you savored it. <laughs> And you're like, I did that. You see this? <laughs> we really used this thing, right? We really did it all the way through. It's the same way making a record. Yes. Right? It's nice to see the song go from the here to something. Or when you really do a ritual work and you see it. I like long works. I don't like to put my hands to things for clients that are quick fixes, right? If someone asks me for money working, yeah, if it's an emergency, we're going to do the emergency things. But, you know, I'm the practitioner that's going to be like, okay, but long term, like, what is it that you're trying to do about this? Or yeah. what's really the core of the issue? Because I like to be able to know that even if I see somebody once, I've been able to make an impact. They're going to be better off for a good little while. Yes. And I just think it's a different, it's a different way of thinking about things. Yes. You get more discretion. You're more okay with waiting. Yes. You're more patient. You know, you don't need it right now. You're like, they'll know, they'll find out, they'll see. Yeah, that knowing, that patience. Mm -hmm. It's and you, it's a different pleasure, I think, than if you have immediate gratification. Yeah, you know? yeah, finding pleasure in the process. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. For sure, that's that's a good way to put it. Pleasure in the process. Ugh. I feel like we got a lot of good kind of metaphors and just little things that people can remind themselves of as they're kind of on their journey of like, um, listen to this song I wrote, finding pleasure in the process when you're in the thick of it, like looking for the pleasure in the process. Yes, yes. No, those are very helpful. And I'm going to listen back to this episode. I know like, <laughs> we was really talking about some stuff. Like you asked the best questions. Oh. So it's yeah. so nice to be here because, you know, I always know that like, even when I'm just having regular conversation with you, that you're going to ask those questions that just Ugh. kiss. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, I appreciate your wisdom, your openness, your willingness to share your wisdom with us is truly a gift that I just appreciate so much. So Satara, how can our audience keep in touch with you? Please tell us about your Patreon. Please also tell us about your yoga. 
Yeah. Okay. Amazing. So first of all, you can find me everywhere that there's, well, everywhere. I have TikTok y'all, but I don't know if your girl's a TikToker. (laughs) (laughs) And so you're welcome to follow me there. I do have a sister who's a great TikToker. So I think I'm going to have her teach me some things. Yes. Right. But <laughs> all of my handles, I'm very active on Twitter. And then probably after that, Instagram, I'm most active. And it's at I am Satara. So that's easy. My first name. I am Satara. And that's where I am on the socials, where I am, where the party is, where the yoga is, yes. is my Patreon. Yes. And Patreon's a really dope space because it allows people to contribute, to receive benefits or to receive access to certain things. And I was thinking about spirituality and wanting to have those deeper conversations, but also wanting to have them in a space where I felt it was more expressive and I mm-hmm. felt it was more free. Um, Patreon has been nice for that. And so I've got a couple different tiers. We've got, uh, I have like the coffee and altar tier, which people just wanted to like give me things, literally coffee or <laughs> put flowers on my altar. And in the business of receiving, yes. that tier is just for people who are like, Satara, here's $5 to buy the spirits of coffee, right? Beautiful. That's that tier. And then yes. we've got a couple different ones where there's yoga. I do a weekly conjure forecast. When I do workshops and things, they're there. And Lately with yoga, I've been doing album flows. So album flows kind of on finding the ways to intersect all the things that I love. Yeah. My latest baby. And it's basically the best listening session ever with a ritual element in a yoga flow. When I was in high school, I went to this Juilliard jazz camp. It was one of those like really transformative moments for me. And I had a professor who's a drummer, Carl Allen, and we had a class called active listening. And active listening was my favorite class because he would just pick records and it was right after lunch. So we would eat lunch. Everyone would have been social and had their, you know, conversation as a bunch of high schoolers. But we would sit for 45 minutes and we'd listen, mm-hmm. whether to a selection of records or to a whole record down. And then on asking questions, it was questions. What did you hear? How do you feel? And it was teaching us as musicians. And these were jazz records that we needed to know, right? Yeah. So to ask questions, to be present, to be uh you know, inquisitive to feel. And I've always listened to music in that very active way on spiritual gifts and things like that. I was always that person that when you close your eyes and you see, hear music, you can see all the colors. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Or sometimes it has a taste. Yeah. I remember being in high school and then being like, I don't know what the word is. Synesthesia. Syn- yeah, synesthesia. Yeah, yeah, synesthesia. And then yeah. being like uh, describing it. And me and this other, maybe two other musicians in my class were like, everyone doesn't hear like that. Like we were really freaked out. We were <laughs> like, this is not like lime green Doritos in your mouth when you hear this record. <laughs> it doesn't exist. And so music is a very enveloping and sensual part of my work. It's the way I work ritual. Sometimes I will do things silently and just move my energy. It's a very nice way to work, right? Where you put on something and you just do the things. Maybe I sing more than I pray for the people, honestly. Mm -hmm. I sing in people's readings. It's always that, right? And so I wanted to be able to bring these records that were transformative moments for me and move. When I record even, I'm always dancing. I don't really sit still. I feel like when you look back at this, they're going to be like, Satara was like... (laughs) 
whole time, right? <laughs> you were in yoga with me, so you know. Yes, you were there. I love it. Yes, because she's always got to, you know, yes. do something, stretch, move. And so all of that is album flow. Yeah. And I've been picking records that had a certain energy for me in my life. And I find that energy reflected in others. So the next one is Mama's Gun by Erica Badu. That's going to be on Sunday. And that's going to be really exciting because I it's a love on crossing. That's a record that I feel like when I listen to Badu on it, she's talking about like really coming into her womanhood, really coming into a space where she's like, you know what? Like when you listen to Clever, she's like, I might not be this. I might not be that, but I'm this. And it's just that moment. So we're going to light a little candle. I'm going to read from my ebook, which is exciting. It's 28 days of conjure prayer. So there's something for everybody in there. And then I'm curating the flow and we're flowing for the length of the album. And then I usually have a ritual suggestion so that when they're done with the flow, they can complete the ritual at home, whether that be a bath or whatever. And it's been really nice. It's, it's been an unexpected offering that has been really tying the pieces together for me and for everybody in Patreon. I just love it. Yeah. I love long shavasanas. I love good music. I love connecting, seeing the people in their homes, getting a little movement on yes that sounds so juicy and beautiful it's brilliant thank you well you know you're welcome anytime girl thank just you. let me know when you're free I'll give you the schedule <laughs> I will pop in I would love to do an album flow and we'll make sure that we have it linked in the show notes so that people can join your patreon participate yeah. um because it's a beautiful beautiful offering Thank you so much. No, this is, I'm excited. I'm happy to be here. I know I love your podcast. I'm a fan. Like I'm going to listen to this episode and be like, not me. (laughs) (laughs) I love this podcast. Yes. (laughs) And so I'm actually really excited about this and I'm so happy. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much. It was my pleasure. I loved this conversation. I learned so much. I mean, I felt like I learned so much being in yoga training with you, but also even in this conversation, learned so much from you that I appreciate you sharing more than you know. So thank you. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. I am so happy to have been joined by Satara today. She is so brilliant and it was an honor to have her. Head to the show notes so you can follow her, check out her Patreon and learn more about her work. Huge thanks to today's sponsors, including Native Deodorant. Check the show notes for a special discount code just for you. And a huge thanks to you, dear listener, for being here. I appreciate you more than you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you can catch next week's episode all about letting go to manifest. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks again for being here and I'll talk to you next week.